Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, going to church with the whole world. Well, not really the whole world, but with people all over the world. You know, we've got people in, in Egypt. We've got people in Pakistan. We've got people uh, all over Europe. We've got people in South America. We've got people in just covering the globe that every week come together with you because this is where they go to church. Now, we're not trying to pull people out of a local church, but we're trying to give people something that they may not be getting in their local church and and support what they're doing, support their journey with God. And I am so incredibly thankful for all of you and especially thankful, and I hope you are too, for all of our world changers who support us financially to make this possible. Now, today we're going to wrap up this series that I've been talking about on knowing and feeling the love of God. We're going to talk about the most important aspect of love being revealed. And this is, this is a game changer. This is where it all comes together. So come back in just a minute. Don't go away. You know, I've got a great free gift for you this month. It's a message called the extravagant love of God. I want to tell you something. I want you to get saturated in how much God loves you because then you're going to fall in love with him and your life is going to work the way it's supposed to. All right, be sure if you're watching on YouTube, take just a second right now and click below and like this program, and that's going to help us touch people all over the world. That's what we want. We want to change the way the world sees God. And more than any other reason that the world is turned off to God is because of what religion has told them. People's view, people's idea of who God is and what God does and how God works is absolutely unscriptural. It is absolutely out of harmony with with what the Bible reveals about God, with what the names of God reveal about Him, with what Jesus Himself revealed about Him. And I want to tell you something. If I'm going to trust anybody's story about God, if I'm going to trust anybody's representation about God, it's going to be Jesus above all else, even above my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own point of view. So we're getting down today to just wrapping this thing up to, which is, of course, the most important aspect of it. Remember, there's no greater need in your life than to tend to be absolutely immovable in the love of God. And that doesn't happen because you have all the right information. That happens because of what you are experiencing. You know, my, my wife, I've been very fortunate. My wife is an, is an incredibly attractive woman. And uh, all of our all of our married life, I've traveled and stayed away from home back in the early days for for weeks at a time. And somebody asked me one time, they said, are you ever, are you ever concerned about your wife cheating on you? And, you know, with what I experienced with her personally, with what I experienced with her intimately, not just sexually, but intimately, with what I experienced and the way we exchanged our hearts, talked about things, shared our lives, there was never one bit of concern uh, ever about her cheating on me because it would be more than just having sex with somebody else. It would be sharing this incredibly intimate part of our life together. And I want, I want you to know something. If you are experiencing God, you will be immovable about his love. Now just think about all of the things that that will also 
make you immovable about it. It'll make you immovable about fear. You'll never be afraid of God hurting you. You'll, you'll never be afraid of being honest with God about anything. You'll never be afraid about talking to God about anything. You'll never be afraid of being completely open and transparent, even when you know you're wrong, if, in fact, you're experiencing the love of God in such a way that it is immovable, it's undeniable, it never, ever, ever goes away. It keeps your emotions stable. So, you know, love that is not expressed, and, and remember, God's always expressing love. And we learned this, and I hope you got this, particularly from these last two messages. God is always expressing the same degree and the same quality of love to all people. But not all people are experiencing the same degree and quality of love. And those people that are not into an interactive, honest, vulnerable, transparent relationship with God are not experiencing that kind of love that's, that is immovable, that kind of love that drives out all fear, that kind of love that, that uh, gives them boundaries in their life, that kind of love that motivates them to, to godly living. So, so love that is not expressed, so God is expressing the love, but also love that is not experienced. So love that is not expressed and or experience is not even as valuable as a rebuke, according to the Word of God. The Bible tells us that open rebuke is better than secret love. And it's not saying how wonderful it is to go around openly rebuking people. It's telling us that secret love, and you know, an open rebuke is no fun. You don't enjoy it. You don't like it. Very seldom do you even get anything out of it. But that that is still better than love that is not expressed and not experienced. God is not offering a secret love where He's going to hold it back until eternity. And one day in eternity, suddenly He's going to He's going to show us what it's all about. Not to He's given us the opportunity right here on planet Earth to 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 know, to believe, to experience His incredible love. So, you know when you're when you're when you're dealing with any kind of a sickness, and some of you know that I do some, you know, I have a degree in alternative medicine, had a clinic here for years. When you're dealing uh, with, a, with any kind of sickness, uh, getting that person well always starts with the right prescription. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how good the medicine is if you have the wrong diagnosis, because if you got the wrong diagnosis, then their prescription is going to be the wrong prescription. It might be good for something else, but it's not going to be good for what that person has. Well, don't you know God's prescription for all things starts with unconditional love. Now, in treating people in our clinic, there were herbal formulas that we would use that were called tonic formulas. Now, a tonic formula is a formula that, that overall boosts the, the core health of the individual, boosts their immune system, it, it boosts their, uh, the function of their organs, it boosts their energy level. In other words, it is a tonic, a core tonic for basically what it takes for your body to function. Now, there were a lot of other formulas that I would use for individual symptoms. But you see, if a person is weak at their core, it does not matter what you do for their symptoms. They're still going to get, keep getting sick. They're still going to get worse. They're never going to get well, even if they get better for a few minutes. So his love is a tonic. It strengthens the core. It strengthens what every aspect of what gives us life. Everything else is just symptomatic. So the question is, are you taking the right medicine? Are you, are you, are you taking what you need to take. In other words, if God's prescription always starts with deal with your love issue, deal with the, the degree of love that God has for you, deal with whether or not you are experiencing God's love. And until you deal with that, in a certain sense, it's, 
it's, it's not that there's, it's worthless to deal with symptomatic problems, but dealing with those symptomatic problems will never, 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 ever, ever solve the core problems and never, ever, ever get you well. So from God's perspective, everything has to start with love. You know, Isaiah 52, 5 says, Now therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing, and those who rule over them make them well, says the Lord. And my name is blasphemed continually every single day. I want to tell you something, that every single day, people hate God because they blame God for all the woes that are happening in this world. And, you know, people don't read the Bible for themselves. They don't believe what the Bible says. They believe everything else uh, and everything that everybody else says about God, but they don't believe what God says about himself. And, you know, one of the number one questions that, that people always ask is, all right, if God is love, why is the world in such a mess? Well, you start right there. You're obviously overlooking the fact that man, according to how God created us, has authority here on planet Earth. And man that rejects God's love can't give God's love. He's not going to have, he's not going to value what God values. He's not going to hold precious what God holds precious. So he's going to rule the world earth, uh, uh, ruthlessly. So everything that's going wrong in the world is happening because of man. So, so man experiencing God's love. That's not just the, that's not just what we need for a, a, an abundant, full, personal life, but that's what the world needs to experience through us, because that's going to be the only way that, that, that the world is going to get whole. So the people, the whole world have to change the way they see God. They have to experience something in God. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly in the book of 1 John that, that the love of God is manifested in the cross of Christ. Listen to this. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And in this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, the word propitiation is a very interesting word because the word propitiation, actually, it's closely related in Greek to the word that describes the lid that was on top of the mercy seat. And the mercy seat in the temple, that was the place where the priest went, took all the sins of, of, of Israel, and, and they received mercy. Now, that, now they, he went in there with blood, sprinkled blood on the mercy seat. Now, the fact that the lid, the fact that it was on the top of the mercy seat um, means it was completely supported by the mercy of God. So it was there at the mercy seat that the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled and the glory of God would be manifest. And blood throughout the Bible represents wrath and judgment because there's no greater punishment than for someone to have to sacrifice their life and the shedding of blood is uh, uh, represents that type of wrath. So Jesus, he basically shed his blood so that we would never, ever, ever, ever have to shed our blood. But it really, really doesn't stop there. And I've talked to you about some of this before, but man, if we're going to come into this thing about, about knowing and feeling the love of God, if we're going to, if we're going to be where, where, where we're trying to receive the kind of love that God's actually offering, then we've got to understand how valuable we are to God. We've got to understand the price that He paid for us. I'll be right back. Don't go away. You know, there is nothing more important for every aspect of your spiritual life, 
your physical life, your emotional life, than knowing and feeling the love of God. Yes, I said feeling. I'm not talking about just having information, just quoting verses. I'm talking about experiencing a connection with God that you can feel when you feel the love of God. All right, here we go. Now, remember, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure and click the like button right now so we can take this message to the whole world. Now, <clears throat> everything that we understand about God as Jesus expressed it, is reliant upon how much we understand about the Old Testament. See, because in the Old Testament, through all the feasts, through all the sacrifices, we, we see types of Jesus. We see types of what Jesus went through, through his death, burial, and resurrection. But then, of course, we can't fully understand God if we don't see Jesus and how he represented God. So it's a really interesting continuum. I have to have the Old Testament to understand what Jesus really did for me, but I have to have Jesus teaching his death, burial, and resurrection to understand God's true motive and everything he showed me in the Old Testament. So, uh, uh, you know, that can, kind of, that can kind of stretch your brain out a little bit. But one of the things throughout all the sacrifices was the need for the shedding of blood and in the Old Testament, it didn't really wash away our, our sins. It covered people's sins. The word atonement in the Old Testament is the word to cover. And, and so while they, while they were never, they never had their sins eradicated and, and their sins became non-existent, but their sins were covered so that when God looked upon them, he didn't have to look upon them through the veil of sin. But the common denominator for sacrifices for sin was that blood had to be shed. Now, this was not God copying all of the pagan religions uh, in the history uh, uh, in the in the Middle East and, and that part of the world. In fact, all of those religions copied what God had said all the way back to Cain and Abel at the very beginning about about the blood sacrifice. And so, all of these other religions they created sacrifices of blood that that, that were a, a perversion, and these sacrifices of blood were meant to appease the God that wanted to kill you, meant to appease the God who, who was bent on your destruction. And it was, and it was the, it was, it was a payment that you made so that, so that, uh, you, you could keep these wrathful gods from killing you. Now, that sounds close to what happened with Jehovah, but it's not exactly what happened because number one, even though God, Jehovah, the creator of the earth, even though he had wrath for sin, he did not have hatred of mankind. He was not seeking, uh, he was not seeking to punish mankind and man figured out a way to stop him. He was seeking to give man a quality of life and he was determined to send a savior into the world, but he had to prepare the world to understand what that savior would do and why him dying and shedding his, his blood was important. And so, you know, just stop and think about it. When you took a sacrifice in, a sacrifice for sin, you went to the priest, you took your, you took your lamb, uh, uh, to the priest, and, and, and you went there and you laid hands on that lamb and you confessed your sins. It had to be very specific about confessing what sins, uh, uh, you wanted forgiveness for over this lamb. And, and the idea was that you were imparting your sins onto this innocent lamb. So there's this realization 
uh, from the very beginning all the way to the sacrifice, there's this realization that everything from that moment forward that that lamb goes through is what you deserve, and he is going through that so that you do not, in fact, have to go through it. And so, and so the sins are imparted to the lamb. And then ultimately, the lamb is, is butchered, and, and his blood drains out. And since the life is in the blood, then, then the lamb is giving its life um, for not just to satisfy the wrath of God in the sense that God is just angry, wrathful, out to kill everybody, but to satisfy God's wrath for sin. Because God had wrath for sin. Sin had to be eliminated from planet Earth, and God had a plan to eliminate sin from planet Earth, but He had to teach us what that, what that plan was. And of course, the blood was taken, and it was, and it was, and it was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Now, but stop and think about it. You're watching this lamb bleed out and die, and you have the acute awareness that he's not dying for his own sins. He's dying for your sins. And you can just go right straight on down through the whole process, whether you're talking about the 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 uh, the sin offering, the once-a-year atonement, or, or whether you're talking about individual sacrifices for sins. But the principle is the same. This, this lamb, this spotless, innocent lamb is taking upon him what I deserve, what should have happened to me. Now, God created this, this model, if you will, so that we could understand when he sent Jesus, the word of God, the, the, what we call the second person of the Trinity, was as much God as God the Father, was as much God as the Holy Spirit is God, and Jesus became flesh. Now, understand, because sin was brought into planet Earth by man, only man could take sin out of planet Earth. And so sin was introduced through man, sin had to go out of planet Earth uh, on man. Now there's a great big stink out there today of people saying that Jesus was not actually a penal substitute. In other words, he, he didn't go through all this on the cross to pay the price for sin. And, and the, the logic behind this is like, look, God's a loving God, so he never was angry to start with. Well, to start with, if you think that loving someone means you can't be angry with them, you've obviously never been in a relationship because love and anger are not, in fact, mutually exclusive. You can love somebody deeply and be very angry, but you're still motivated by love. You're still motivated by their best interest. You're not looking for a way to punish them. You're not looking for a way to get even with them. You're looking for a way to resolve the problem. You're, what you're really looking for is a way to restore the relationship. Now, man, as long as he had sin, then you have to understand he had fear. He had unbelief. He would never trust God. He, he, he would always struggle with, with not believing that he was who God said he was, had what God said he had could do what God said he could do. So his relationship with, with God would never be honest. It would never be open. There could never be a loving relationship with people who were afraid of God. That's why, that's why I just can't even believe it when people talk about the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant being a covenant of fear. It wasn't a covenant of fear. God's never tried to make man afraid of him. 
And, and anywhere that you think that the Bible is teaching that, you're not understanding what it's saying. Even, you know, we talked about this in, in, in recent programs. If you haven't seen all these programs about knowing and feeding the love of God, go back and listen to them. They're free right here, right here online. You can go back to them. Uh, uh, the whole concept of the fear of God is the fear or the concern that you might break God's heart, that you might violate the relationship. He's so precious to you that you're handling him with care, just like he's handling you with care. And so, you know, hanging on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, it's amazing. I hear people all the time say, well, no, you know, God never forsook Jesus. Well, wait a minute. If, if, if the price for sin, the full price is being paid for, then Jesus had to go through exactly what we would go through or else the payment would not be satisfied. That's what reconciliation is. You know, reconciliation is where you pay for something. There's an exchange between, between a, a payment and, 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 and receiving something or a payment and an account being satisfied. There's a lot of ways to express reconciliation. And so, and so since Jesus literally became the sins of the world, he, God had to, God had to abandon him. And, and Jesus died and went to Hades. And Hades was the abode of those who died in sin. He didn't go directly to the bosom of Abraham. And there the Bible teaches us, and there's dozens of prophecies about Jesus in the grave and the battle that he went through and, and the struggle that he fought to, to continue to believe God's promises to him, to continue to believe you know, that he was who God said he was. He was the king of kings. He was the prince of peace. He was the salvation of the world. He was the king of righteousness. He was all of these things and that he would see his enemies and his enemies would be death, hell, the grave, the curse of the law, Satan and all of his means under his feet. That was, that was what he, that was what he wanted so that mankind could be restored to this a relationship that God always wanted, God always intended, but man just kept messing it up. And so Jesus uh, uh, used his faith, overcame death, hell, overcame every obstacle, was raised from the dead, cast Satan out of heaven, heaven. And then he went into the Holy of Holies and cleansed the true heavenly Holy of Holies with his own blood. And he sat down at the right hand of God to receive uh, an inheritance uh, that he had obtained by his faith. And he turns and offers that inheritance to us and says, listen, I have paid the price for you. You never have to pay this price for yourself. You just have to believe uh, in what I have done for you. See, believing on Jesus isn't, isn't just believing that Jesus existed. It's not just believing some mythical fantasy concept of Jesus. And, you know, when we first come to Jesus, we, we don't really, we're not in love with him. We might have heard the gospel that he, that, that he took care of our sins, so we don't have to pay for our sins. We might appreciate what he's doing, but we're not in love with him. But I'll tell you something, the more we understand and believe what Jesus did for us, the more, it, it, the more our heart just overflows with the experience of his love. And here's the great thing. When we came to Jesus, now we may have messed it up. When we came to Jesus, and I said this a week or two ago, we got a new heart. Now that doesn't mean we got new beliefs. With this new heart, our heart became tender. The Bible says it was circumcised. In other words, 
This heart became ultra sensitive to anything that would touch it, good or bad. It became ultra sensitive to the fact that, to the fact that sin, when we committed sin, when we violate a relationship with God, it hurt. It became sensitive in the fact that every little whisper of God's love that was spoken to us, we felt it and we were able to receive it. But see, even though we got a new heart, we didn't get new beliefs. And if we hold on to all of our beliefs, then we've got our heart shielded because of all of our past fears. We've got our heart shielded. And the honest truth is we can't even hear or feel or sense or recognize or experience all that God is trying to do for us and in us so that we can know and feel his incredible love and have the right prescription for the problem that we're facing. Listen, don't go away. I'll be back with a mentoring moment in just a minute. Many things just change in your life effortlessly. Number one, when you feel the love of God, your self-worth is transformed and you start experiencing and having this sense of incredible value that God has for you. Second thing that happens when you're experiencing the love of God is your faith explodes because faith works by love. In other words, the more you experience God's love, the more you trust Him. And when you experience God's love, you're going to find that you will effortlessly uh, show love to other people because when you are knowing and experiencing God's love, it just comes out of you. This is going to be one of the most important series you've ever had. You know, I don't take the time very often to tell you what all we're doing around the world because just more than we can discuss. But our world changers make that possible. And I want to just mention to you something that we've been doing for quite a long time and been doing more of it lately. We've been working with our armed forces. You know, we actually did a seminar one time and provided all kinds of books for couples that had, had gotten divorced or they were in conflict as a result of one or the other being deployed. Recently, we donated 150 copies of Take the Limits Off to God, go into gift boxes to go to soldiers that are deployed, deployed right now. Just this past uh, weekend, I, I spent a week doing a special outreach for vets to help them deal with PTSD and various other issues and how to put their lives back together and to recover their health. You know something? If you care about what's happening with our vets around the world, you might want to help us reach out a little bit farther by becoming a world changer. Just be sure and go to impactministries.com and find out about becoming a world changer today. Be sure at the end of this mentoring moment just to take a second and click on the subscribe button that's going to come up and you'll get all of my messages, all of my special offers, all of the free messages that we have to offer. And I'll tell you what, it'll be a blessing and it'll strengthen you and it'll help us reach more people. Now listen, God gave you a new heart. But if you still got all of your old beliefs, all of your old fears, then you're in this relationship like we talked about if, if you watch the last few programs, we talked about how that, that God describes his relationship with us as bark that has been peeled off of a tree. In other words, there is nothing hard around my heart. There's nothing hiding my heart. I am completely open to you. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm going to share everything that I can share with you. That's what God is bringing into the relationship. But you know something? Problem is you, you don't, you don't know that. You're not, you're not feeling that. Because at this stage of the game, you may not have ever really surrendered everything. You know, the people who sail through their Christian walk with very few struggles, or even if they have a struggle, they might fall and get up. They are the people that are holding nothing back. 
There's nothing in my life that I'm holding back. There's nothing in my life that I'm refusing to give up. There's nothing in my life that I want to hold on to more than I want to hold on to you. That is the person that can hear when God is expressing how much he loves them. That's the person that can feel and sense how precious they are to God when he's expressing that. Because remember, we talked about the fact that hearing and obeying are the same word. Hearing and yielding, sacrifice, you know, opening yourself up to God is all the same thing. God wants you to be able to experience him unconditionally, but you can't as long as you've got conditions on him. I don't know what you'll have to sacrifice. I don't know what you'll have to give up. Uh, I know it's not a set of rules where you got to stop this, start this, stop this, start this. I just know that it's anything that owns our heart in such a way that we block God out. So you just got to consider, do you think there's anything in your life that is precious enough to you that you're willing to give up the love of God for? I don't think so. Decide, open your heart, be ready. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.